So I want to just start this space by briefly explaining how sex development works, how males and females develop, and then we'll get right into it, talking about the biology of DSDs. We have XO Turner here. We have um, living with XXY, man with Klinefelter syndrome. And we also have Katie in Boston. Uh, and we also have uh, PT Elephant here, who, who will be also co-hosting and helping us. So first, with sex development, basically how it works is you have chromosomes that have genes. The genes then determine the gonadal type that you'll develop. And then the gonadal type then has hormones, and those hormones then help build the internal and external genitalia. And I posted a post on uh, the space here you can see with my sex development charts that show this process. And so in males and females, there's different genes like the SRY gene in males that differentiates the gonads into testes. The testes produce AMH and testosterone, and that builds the internal and external genitalia for the male. And then for females, you have the typical XX chromosomes that have uh, certain genes that then upregulate the female pathway. So you get differentiation of the gonads into ovaries. The ovaries do not produce much testosterone compared to males, and they don't produce much AMH compared to males. And so you get internal and external female genitalia. And so what basically what sex development disorders are is basically a breakdown of that pathway in one of the the levels, basically, a breakdown of gonadal development, a breakdown of internal or external genital development. And there are many, many different conditions, as we'll talk about, but they each have different causes, they each have different effects, and it's important to understand those details to debunk all these myths and all the nonsense that we see. So to start, I'm going to turn it over to living with XXY, and I don't know if, we want, if you want me to use your uh, first name, but just let me know. But, um, but yeah, we'll turn it over to you first. Yeah, you can call me Nick, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so hi everyone. Um, I see there's a lot of people here who already follow me, so they know about me already. <laughs> um, so I have something called XXY, or oh, if I do the full thing, 47 XXY Kleinfelter syndrome. Um, it's a DSD condition that affects males. Um, where we have a duplication of the X chromosome, which is already found in uh, males with obviously XY. We just have an extra duplicate of that X chromosome. Um, uh, basically, it, it does... Nick, I think you're on mute. Hey, XO, if, if Nick can't continue, you can you can continue, XO, and go through maybe the points that, that you wanted to talk about. Yes, um, I'm just gonna take one second to message Nick and make sure everything's okay. Um, give me one moment, guys. I apologize.
Zach, you can go ahead and um, keep talking about the condition in the meantime. Well, specifically with uh, XXY, um, usually for the most most of the time with XXY, you get a condition called Klinefelter syndrome, and it only affects males. And the reason why it only affects males is because to have Klinefelter syndrome, you have to uh, basically have what's called uh, hypogonadism. So your your testes as a male do not produce enough testosterone. You have issues with infertility. And then the double X chromosome that you have, because it is because some of the genes on that double X chromosome are are basically functioning in double copy, which is usually meant for females, you have a lot of issues regarding low T as well, compromising testicular function. And yet to treat your condition accurately, you have to know that your sex is male. And so all this misinformation about how, oh, men with XXY, they're in between sexes or or some other sex, it doesn't actually help treat their condition properly. It obscures, muddies the reality of their condition. And so that's basically the, the just the fundamentals of XXY. Um, XO Turner, she has Turner syndrome, where it's just one X chromosome instead of the, the typical two X chromosomes for females. But um, she can get into that detail as well. But um, if you're ready, XO, just let me know. If not, I can keep talking. Um, no, I'm ready. Um, so hopefully um, Nick will be joining us um, soon. Uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> um, so I usually, um, before we get into the biology of it, I usually like to give my perspective and how I came to learn um, not only about my condition, but about others. Um, so when I was 17 years old, I had still not gotten my first period. Um, I was struggling um, socially, academically. I was not developing like the other girls in my class. Um, and so we were sent to an endocrinologist, um, my mother and I, um, to get tested and to see what was happening. Um, the first thing when I arrived at the endocrinologist's office is that they weighed me and they asked me, you know, certain questions about, um, you know, regular questions about how my diet was, stress, um, everything like that. Um, and then I went in and, um, I was, uh, yeah, and the, <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, I went in and I was physically examined by the doctor. Uh, so I'm not sure if anyone here knows what the Tanner stages are, but basically, um, the Tanner stages are, uh, different stages of breast development and, um, development of genitalia. And so, I was examined, it I, and again, I was 17. I wasn't really sure what was going on. It was super uncomfortable, vulnerable position to be in. Um, and then I, I met with the endocrinologist once all of the pre-notes were taken. Um, and she looked at me, she checked my neck. That was the first thing she did. Uh, she removed like my hair 
she put her hands where my thyroid was, um, you know, um, and basically once all this was done and, and she had the conversation with my mom, uh, she looked at me and she said, so we have two options here. Either this is hormonal or this is genetic. Now, if it's hormonal, there might be something, you know, we can treat, balance, regulate. Um, if it's genetic, there's not much that we can do. And then I was sent to do a karyotype test. Um, so, and, and just so you know, those words, uh, if it's genetic, there's nothing much we can really do still ring in my ears today because they're very poignant words. Um, so I did a karyotype test, which for those of you who don't know, uh, karyotype is the amount of chromosomes that you have. They're usually taken by, uh, it's usually done by taking blood and lots of it. Um, I remember like sitting uh, in the doctor's office and like they took six tubes of my blood. That needle was in my arm for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of looking at the... <laughs> the nurse who was taking my blood, like, hey, can you get this out of me now? Um, and then two weeks later, I went back and the endocrinologist diagnosed me. Uh, she said, so what you have is Turner syndrome. Um, basically, what that means is that you're missing an X chromosome. Um, then she went and she had, um, she had me tested, uh, not tested, but she had me do a sonogram of my kidneys and my uterus and ovaries. She had me, um, yeah, oh, uh, sorry, again, because, the, and the reason I'm going through all the, these details with you, uh, everyone, is because we talk about the biology and, and we talk about, you know, the existence right, of these conditions, but we don't talk about the reality of them. Um, and, and again, um, and when I get to my final point, I'll, I'll highlight why that's important. So, um, I, uh, yeah, so she went to, she sent me to go get a sonogram. Um, I had to drink two large gallons of water and uh, just had to hold in my pee while the while the the person who was you know taking in the the pictures of the sonogram was like pressing on my bladder with the cold gel it was super uncomfortable um and then yeah um uh so the kidneys uh were fine and the ovaries uh like predicted uh were um underdeveloped um, and, uh, but the uterus looked good. So I was prescribed birth control pills. I was told I would not be able to, um, have kids, but I may be able to carry them through IVF. And I was 17 years old. So that's a huge chunk of information to take in at once. And I was given, um, a book. Uh, about the different issues that could come up with Turner syndrome. Um, I was sent to go get my hearing examined. I was, uh, uh, I was sent to go get my heart examined and I still have to go do that every year. 
uh, because those with Turner syndrome, um, we can have issues with our heart and we may lose our hearing. So I was 17 and I was told all this very quickly, um, not fully understanding it, um, asking myself, well, what the hell is a chromosome? Why am I missing one? Can I get it back, please? Um, and, you know, just kind of uh, dealing with, <laughs> kind of dealing with, you know, understanding what was different about me, what was, you know, quote unquote, wrong with me. Um, and, you know, the reason I highlight this is because looking through, uh, looking with, um, looking at this through a scientific lens really helped me understand. So, um, yeah, I wanted to add too, like looking at it through a scientific lens helps you understand yourself, understand your body, understand what happened, understand how to treat it. Like it's it illuminating it with science almost also allows you to have more compassion for yourself and what you're going through, I think, as well. So it allows me to have compassion for not only for for everyone. Um People who are typically people who are put in, in that situation, um, they go two ways. Uh, so they either become very, very narcissistic and self-serving or they, they uh, you know, because they're to protect themselves um, and, or they uh, learn. Um, they, they learn that people are all going through their own difficulties. Um, so. Uh, getting back to the biology of it, though, you know, the again, the first question that came up was what are chromosomes and where do they come from? Um, and, you know, um, basically, we come from our parents. Um, and that is an incredibly delicate um that is an incredibly beautiful and delicate system, right? That is billion years old. That is about a billion years old, um, called sexual reproduction, right? I am the combination of half the genetic product of my mother and half the genetic product of my father. And that is true for every human that is alive. Um, and that remains true. The, you know, the other thing that I learned is that um, male and female development and reproductive development are tied to your senses, are tied to your digestive system, your heart, your muscular skeletal system, and are tied to, you know, um, are tied to your growth, right? And uh, one of the things I forgot to mention is I was also diagnosed with a learning disability. So how we process and see the world, how we, you know, the, the, um, the process of becoming, of, of going from childhood to adulthood is a, you know, extremely important process that impacts the entire health system. Right. So that is, again, something I learned firsthand experience with these conditions, um, with the condition that I have, Turner's. Um, and uh, the 
other last thing I wanted to point is when you get diagnosed, it's a very lonely process. Um, you know, because even, uh, and, and I've met people with DSDs, I've met other women with Turner syndrome, but the thing is that, and the truth is, uh, there'll never be another one in my workplace. There'll never be one at the school that I go to, um, or in my family, like, you know, or in my family. So, uh, that also remains very true. Um, and I will end with, right. Um, I am uh, supposed to be going on HRT, which if you don't know what that is, is hormone replacement therapy, um, so that I could uh, keep my bones and my muscles healthy um, and for fertility. So, you know, the these hormones, I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're not toys. <laughs> They're not in abundance, right? So, you know, these resources that we have really should um, be going to us, um, you know, for those of us who physiologically need these things, these treatments. Um, so uh, I will leave it at that. There are other points that we'll get to um but I, I hope i explained that well and uh thank you guys for listening yeah thank you yeah exo you made a good point about hrt too like it is very important for people with these sex development disorders who are going through hormone actual hormone disruptions caused by their disorder to have hormone replacement therapy because they need hormones to that hormones that match their sex that that match how their body developed um, that help support the tissues that developed according to a male or female function and so you have to have those sex specific hormone levels and with people who identify as trans they just choose to take HRT but they they call it HRT it's not it's not replacing hormones that are lost it's just giving them hormones from the other sex or levels of hormones from the other sex and so it's it's like a completely different reality, fundamentally. And they love to call it HRT, but in reality, it's not, it's not that at all. So yeah, I just want to bring up that important distinction as well. Um, looks like we lost, lost Nick again, unfortunately. He's having compu computer troubles, but um, I mean, if Katie, if you wanted to say anything, I know EXO had like other points to make eventually, but, um, but yeah, you can, you can speak if you want to. Okay, thanks, Zach. Hi, everyone. Um, <clears throat> I thought, and I'll go fast, I would just give you an, a quick overview of my condition and tell you a little bit about the impact of it. And then later on, if you have any questions, certainly ask. Um, but I have MRKH, which is a, and a very weird name of four male scientists who discovered the condition or named it. But um, in biology terms or medical terms, it's called malarian agenesis or um, malarian aplasia or hypoplasia. So in my condition, <clears throat> it's a female fetus with normal XX chromosomes. Everything is normal. Then the, the uh, bipotential gonads differentiate completely normally into ovaries. The ovaries function as they're supposed to, but something else happens later on that causes a disruption in the internal, in the development of the internal reproductive system. And how severe is very variable depending upon 
each person that has the condition. It affects one in 4,500 females. Um, and so um, it generally affects the uterus um, and the length of the vaginal canal. Um, the uterus, the, everything else is normal. You would never know anyone has this condition. So um, ultimately what happened was I, like Turner, didn't get my period. The difference is I was totally developed since I was like 12 years old. Everything about puberty besides the period is completely standard. So after a while, you start to get worried, like, if I'm already fully developed, why haven't I gotten my period yet? So when I was 16, I went to the doctor, and the doctor did an ultrasound and basically said, okay, you have, um, this is very, pointed out, this is your little uterus. It was very tiny, like a very undeveloped mass of uterine tissue um, here, um, you know, your ovaries are fine. I see them, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, I was, I hadn't been sexually active yet, but I have what's called uh, vaginal like hypoplasia. So I was probably, I think four centimeters of vaginal length. Um, so long and short of it, I walked, I was a bit overwhelmed, walked out of the doctor that day. The doctor basically said, so the good news is your ovaries are fine. <laughs> But I knew right away because my uterus had been underdeveloped that I couldn't carry a pregnancy. And that was really the main thing. Um, so they told me, no, you can have a surrogate. You can have IVF and remove your eggs and have a surrogate. Um, or you can, you know, adopt. Um, but, you know, at that age, you're not really, the full impact of it hasn't hit you. But definitely I understood. And so anyway, as you go through life, nothing's really different um, except that, I can't get pregnant. Um, the vaginal length thing can be resolved um, through just having regular sex to normalize the length. Um, you can also do vaginal dilation. Um, in older times, more women actually had surgery, but that's what they've learned that that's not necessary now because it, the other methods that aren't surgical normalize the length in like 97% of cases. Um, but really what hap what's happening in the condition is that some kind of glitch happens, and they, they haven't found one gene that's causative for this, this condition. They think just a bunch of things just don't connect, just something slightly off happens. There's an event or something. They think it could be genetic, but there's not a single gene. So basically, um, that's the story. And then later on, you know, I did freeze my eggs, and I've been thinking about using them. Of course, I'd have to pay for a surrogate. A lot of younger girls now, although it's very controversial, I understand, a lot of them have applied for uterus transplants. Quite a few women with MRKH now have given birth to their own children after a uterus transplant. It's totally possible. I don't think it's possible in males, and I am very resentful that that's the conversation that's happening about uterus transplants right now. The only other thing I would say is that... Um, there are other conditions, like um, sometimes you'll hear about a condition called WNT4 deficiency. That is a condition that looks a lot like MRKH, but it is not MRKH because WNT4 deficiency also affects the ovaries and the, it causes hyperandrogenism. So it causes the ovaries to have too much testosterone, a lot like PCOS, and it's just it, the, the presentation is not exactly the same. In MRKH, there's no hormone component at all. Every, all the hormones are always normal every time.
So there's no masculine traits. There's no male sex, sex characteristics. It's not an intersex condition. It's just a really unfortunate birth defect in biological females. So that's my condition. And um, I really hope this is informative for all of you so that you can understand everything about this so that when you see people post things, you know, hey, that's not true. I've already heard someone with this condition tell me their life experience. Thank you very much for listening. I was going to ask you guys, like Exo Turner and Katie, like we see it all the time, these activists appropriating these conditions. Like how does it make you guys feel? I think it'd be important to share how it makes you guys feel for the people listening. Like when these conditions are appropriated by these trans activists who, have, who don't have those disorders at all. You want to take it first, Exo? Um, sure. So I was actually, so I, I put my hand up because I was going to respond to something Katie uh, said, um, which is going to uh, piggyback off of your question, Zach. So, um, so Katie mentioned, you know, her experience and mine and something you guys might notice if you were listening and paying attention um, is that both of our conditions are very much tied to female reproductive development, right? The issues and the loss of fertility that we grieve, everything is tied to us being female. And something I was going to say um, is two things. So when you take, you know, females with a condition with a reproductive system and you kick them out of the you know the category quote unquote of a female not only are you misunderstanding the category of female right not only are you misunderstanding the category of sex in general but you're also being for the lack of a better term ableist right um and you know our the reproductive issues that we go through um you know are not about people who don't have these, right? Um, they they don't prove that there is a spectrum of sexes. None of these conditions prove that humans are sequential hermaphrodites. Um, none of these conditions, you know, actually, if you were to look at all of these conditions individually, right, which is what should be happening in the first place, um, and you put the the pieces together of reproductive development, you would see that in humans are gonochorist, meaning that um, the sexes are separate, right? Um, and when I say that is, you know, even if you look at um, these extremely rare cases of a condition like ovotestes, right? You see that both gametes in a person and both reproductive tracts in a human is not feasible, right? So we actually highlight the binary. We're not exceptions of it, we're products of it and we highlight it. Um, and so it's extremely dehumanizing to kind of bring us up as a prop and you know, point and say like, oh, well, you know, you're saying that, for example, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, women have um, X, X chromosomes, but look, here's a woman without two X chromosomes and you consider her a woman. So you must consider me a woman. Right. Uh, which is like, which 
the <laughs> my condition does not apply to you <laughs> you know um and um my again if you were to look at all these conditions and you were to see they're all tied to the reproductive you know female development or um male reproductive development so you're <laughs> so you're you're wrong you're coming to the wrong conclusion um when you bring us up in the, uh, when we're brought up in these conversations, um, when the conclusions you should be coming up with are that reproductive development is important and it matters, um, that, ma <laughs> that males and females, yes, exist um, for a very specific reason that's tied to, you know, a billion years of sexual reproduction. Um, that it matters in terms of health that you know uh anyway so you know um i i really don't know what to say other than like i'm not your prop um you know uh and also you know you sound very childish to me when somebody goes sex is binary and you're saying well what about quote-unquote intersex people you're telling me that you don't know the history of the term intersex and um yeah you're, you're telling me you don't know that history you're telling me that you don't know about my condition specifically and you're telling me that you just learned about these conditions either through a very messy blurry all grouped up pamphlet that mentions us right and that you don't care right um it, it's it's like uh <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll just end on this. It's it's like that vine. Look at all these chickens. <laughs> um, <laughs> look at all these conditions. And none of them apply to you. So, bye. <laughs> it's like, that is... is <laughs> yeah, what, why don't we... I know Katie had something to say, but why don't we go through... And Katie, you can probably do this well. Like, why don't we go through the history of the term intersex how it's been used in the past, how it was also manipulated by activists that might be beneficial for people to understand. I would love to do that. Thank you, Zach. Before I do that, I just want to say to answer your other question, how does it make me feel? It makes me rage when these people use these conditions, particularly I have an issue with them using women with reproductive conditions for their <clears throat> end game. I'm so sick of having TRAs or trans activists tell me that you're a woman with an infertility condition because MRKH is a uterine infertility condition. You're a woman with an, a uterine infertility condition and I am a trans woman and I'm infertile as a woman. We're the same. No, we are not the same. And it's so insulting and it's so absurd. But anyway, that's a different conversation. Um, so this is what I can tell you about the history of the term intersex. I have researched this extensively um, and it's complicated, but essentially, Prior to 2006, intersex conditions were a, a, a group of conditions that had previously been known as hermaphroditism, female pseudo-hermaphroditism, and male pseudo-hermaphroditism. And those conditions all involved discordance of sex characteristics. So not just a problem with your reproductive system, but some sort of lack of agreement in sex characteristics. So having ovarian and testicular tissue or ha having male... Uh, typical chromosomes, but having a female phenotype or having 
a male phenotype, but female typical chromosomes. So some mismatch of sex characteristics. Obviously, the term hermaphroditism is wrong and does not exist in humans. So rightfully, the term was changed to intersex. And for the longest time, it referred only to conditions that were clinically defined that way as intersex. In 2006, um, some endocrinologists met at a meeting called the Chicago Consensus, and they decided they didn't, they didn't want to use the word intersex anymore because there had been some pushback against it. And so they created a new category, disorders of sex development. And so, as you can imagine, disorders of sex development does not automatically imply a mismatch in sex characteristics. It just, it just implies some sort of disorder. So they decided to add all reproductive development conditions into the DSD category. And then, as a result of this, what has happened is people now conflate intersex and DSD and think that they're interchangeable or that um, DSD is just another term for intersex conditions. And they really don't respect the fact that a lot of other conditions that were never intersex conditions were added into the DSD category. And this is an issue that people like myself with MRKH have because we were never considered an intersex condition at all. And actually, life has gotten worse for us since we were added into DSD. Um, also, I'd like to point out that Turner syndrome and Kleinfelter syndrome were never considered intersex conditions either. They were also added into DSD in 2006, and that's how this all started. The last thing I'd like to say about all of this is that the intersex activists who are, for better or for worse, it's not a judgment, but just factually speaking, generally queer identifying people who are very, you know, pro-identities, they did not like the loss of their word. And so as a result, they have tried to compete wholesale with CSD. They've taken their lobby to the UN, to other places, and they've redefined the term intersex um, to try to say, Socially, it means anyone born with sort of any atypical reproductive characteristic. So if you're born with anything wrong with your reproductive system, they're trying to call you intersex, even though that is not the clinical definition of what an intersex condition is. And they're pretty miserable about it all. And I will finally just say, it, the reason it's so complicated is because there are some people who have very complex conditions that do involve a mismatch of sex characteristics. And for some of those people, they like the term intersex because it, it more easily explains their condition than them having to go through all the details of it every time. But then there are all these other people who have no clinical intersex condition that claim to be intersex and lie and say they have conditions. So it's all very confused. Some doctors in the medical community don't consider non-intersex conditions DSDs. So to those doctors, my condition is not even a DSD. Others do. So when you go on this website or that website, you'll find different information on all of them. It's really an unfortunate situation, and it causes a lot of anger among us. And I think what we would like is to have a different term with more context so that people don't misunderstand what these terms mean. The last, last thing I'm going to say is just that um, none of these conditions in the DSD category have a lot in common. So essentially, they created this category of 60 conditions. They just threw them all into a category. They're not all chromosomal. They don't all involve hormones, or, or they're not endocrine conditions. They don't all cause ambiguous genitalia. They don't all cause infertility, but most of them do. Like literally on every dimension, you would think, they're not all genetic. Most of them are, but not all. So you would think that um, this category is very hard to draw meaning from because when you guys respond to something on like X and somebody's talking about a very specific type of DSD condition, the likelihood of it being relevant to a lot of other DSD conditions is minimal. 
it almost has nothing to do with any other conditions in the category. This is where a lot of the frustration comes from. So I'm really happy and grateful to Zach and Cynthia and Exo and Nick for arranging this space today so that we can really talk and explain what has happened historically and what is happening right now because we feel really abused and exploited. <laughs> and thank you again for giving me the floor, Zach. I, I wanted, before I go to Exo, I wanted to uh, basically just say with your point regarding uh, the the fact that they conflate they conflate DSD and intersex together and they, they lump all these conditions together as though they're intersex or as though they're ambiguous. Like, um, first of all, it speaks to the importance of condition specific language. So when you're talking about, you know, a condition or a trans activist even brings up like saying like intersex or whatever, like ask them like what specific condition they're talking about. It helps break down their, their false preconceived notions. Um, I saw that one guy, I forgot his last name, but Ed, Ed Crafton something. He was like, oh, which bathroom should an intersex person use? Well, it's a false question because uh, that question is based on a false premise and it depends on the specific, you know, condition and that person's re reproductive development, things like that. But, um, I do, I wanted to ask you also, like, how has that conflation of all those things, how has that impacted you personally? And maybe as someone with MRKH who, you know, doesn't have any uh, ambiguous sex characteristics. And also maybe you can also speak to just how that's maybe affected people in general with these disorders. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a dark cloud. It's something. So if I can just be real with you, I didn't know anything about this until like three years ago. I have lived my whole life as a woman with MRKH, and none of these things have ever come up in a doctor's appointment. They've never come up when I've talked to anyone in my life or anything. And then about three years ago, I was, um, it was COVID, and I was kind of like looking online and seeing if there was any new medical research about my condition. And that's when I saw all of this, and it was shocking to me. It like, it was just, I couldn't believe it. And ever since, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And it feels like it's part of a trend or a fantasy. But there are a lot of girls with my condition who don't want to tell anyone the name of our condition anymore, not because they don't want to explain the condition. We don't have any problem with that, but because we don't want people to Google it or go on X and look it up, because if they do, they're going to completely get the wrong idea because of how it's been hijacked. Um, and I think that women with MRKH have it better than a lot of the other conditions. I think for some of the other conditions, it's even worse. And it causes, it affects mental health. It affects, you know, the openness of talking about the condition. It's truly horrible. And it feels like we've been abandoned by the medical community because it feels like they have no obligation to us to, to drive clarity and to speak um, with accuracy about our conditions. And so that's why I ask sometimes for people to consider if they have room in a, in a tweet to not say DSD to respond with reproductive development conditions, because most of these conditions are that. And if you actually were to respond, if you actually were to put reproductive development conditions in, in place of DSD in most of these tweets, you would see that suddenly the tweet, that the, the point the other person made is ridiculous. And it looks so exposes the ridiculousness of it all. But DSD has become this like weird term with all of these connotations and people just say it so casually. And usually it has, it just doesn't even reflect 
sort of the reality anymore. It's just so focused on like a specific context that's about sort of sexual ambiguity, which is not accurate for all these conditions. So I would say life has gotten worse. I would say um, I have weathered the storm of my own condition pretty well in life. And, you know, this issue is almost as bad as my diagnosis. It's not as bad. I'm not going to claim that. Um, But it's pretty much up there. And I don't know how it happened. If you had told me as a 16 or 17-year-old girl who found out that she had an underdeveloped uterus and couldn't get pregnant, I never could have predicted this would have ever happened. And I just think it's a nightmare. It's like a nightmare that won't go away. So just to um, jump in on, on Katie's point. So the the any one of these conditions will have a multitude of, you know, um, comorbidities, right? So for example, women with Turner syndrome, some are diagnosed super young as girls because of, um, because of phenotypical markers, right? Some will be diagnosed later. Um, Not every woman with Turner syndrome is going to have issues with her heart or her kidneys or her hearing. It's, for the lack of a better term, every condition itself is this kind of a spectrum. Um, And yes, I hate using that term. So, um, you know, when we talk about using condition-specific language, it's important. It's important so that we can look up um, and advocate for ourselves as patients what we should be looking at, right? Um, and I'll give you a, a perfect example. I went to the clinic um, years ago, and I this was before I had a family doctor. The, the Canada's going through its own shit with healthcare, pardon my language. But um, basically, I went to the clinic and the doctor had not really any idea what Turner syndrome was. So, you know, and even um, when I went to go see my family doctor for the first time, um, one of the things he asked is like, oh, well, how is that syndrome affecting you? Like, what are the symptoms? (laughs) And so it's, you know, um, I laugh, it's not that funny. Um, but the thing is, the reason why we need condition-specific language is so that we can, we and the medical professionals can look at our condition and, you know, have that information ready. Um, and, you know, I can't even ima- begin to imagine in this climate um, uh what it would be like to be diagnosed, right? And and coming into, for example, um, a, a, a classroom for sex ed and then just having, you know, someone on the teacher go, oh, well, there's um, women who are um, XX and men who are XY. And then there's all these and just throw karyotypes on the board. Um, and not, you know, explain anything about those karyotypes. And imagine being 16 um, and just just looking at, you know, something like that in, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, on the chalkboard and being told, like, yeah, because of your medical condition, you're not female, uh, which is inaccurate. Um, so, you know, I I'm super frustrated 
um, super anxious, right? So I'm actually going to be seeing a new endocrinologist. And the first thing I need to worry about is, has this person prescribed hormones to somebody who doesn't physiologically need it? Has this person gone to uh, a conference and stood up and said, oh, well, look at all these medical conditions. Sex is just this huge spectrum. You know, like I have to kind of be worried about, you know, um, the ethics of the person as a doctor that I'm going to go see. Um, And, you know, I just, I, that particular thing, I I don't know how to deal with. Um, It's super frustrating. And, um, you know, having this big, um, ambiguous umbrella term and all of us shoved in there does not service us right it does not help us with um yeah it it does not help us with advocating for ourselves as a patient and looking out for our health it does not help other people um understand us right it does not it just causes more and more confusion, more and more gray lines, more and more deconstruction, um, and, um, and isolation and othering, you know, um, and the, the, you know, so both, and, and something I I just want to point out, for example, um, is that both Katie and I were diagnosed, right? Because we did not get our periods. And I'm sure you guys have pretty much been in an argument where, um, where you know, someone says, well, um, only women get periods, and someone will be like, well, not all women, right? And though this is true, I would like you to take a look at the context of what that is, because look at what happened to Katie and I, because we weren't getting our periods, and what that was a signal for, right? So, you know, um, these these important reproductive markers matter to us too, <laughs> because it's how we get diagnosed. It's how, you know, we know something's wrong. It's how, you know, and um, and so, again, to use our conditions when it has absolutely nothing to do with people who have nothing physiologically wrong with them, that's what it does, right? It takes an important fact, like women, females, typically get their periods from the ages of 9 to 18, right? And just because some of us don't, the reason why we don't is a super important marker for our health. Um, And then the last thing I will say, is that these so-called intersex orgs, a lot of them are run by people who don't have any reproductive developmental disorder, right? And the surveys that these groups use don't reach the people they're supposed to reach. So a lot of the time when a group like Interact, for example, is stating something 
um, the, the surveys they had put out in the quote-unquote community, they have not reached the people who it matters. Because like Katie was saying, most of us don't use the term intersex. Our doctors will not call us intersex, right? Um, even, even, you know, the more ambiguous conditions will not be called intersex in a doctor's office, right? So even to know that that term applies to us, it's, it's a whole, um, for the lack of a better term, shit show. And we're here and we're saying we want advocacy to be about us. We want information to be accurate, right? And to throw in little quote-unquote fun facts about our existence when you can't even acknowledge that we exist because of the same system that creates everybody, which is a binary system. Um, it just doesn't, we know that it is not about us and you do not care about us, right? So it's basically a slap to the face, everything we go through. Um, and for lack of a better term, it's colonization. So that's what I'm gonna end it on. Uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> hope that was okay. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I wanted to comment because we just saw this happen um, with CAIS. Um, there's a lot of misinformation about that condition as well. I've seen it from both sides, the TRA and people who call themselves feminists or rad femmes or whatever, um, saying that their brains are swimming in testosterone and that they're more violent because of that and, and things like that. No, that's not the case. We have an article, a great article on our website about sex reversal, quote unquote, which is the term for how that development process ends up in CAS. Um, but yeah, so these women, and I will call them women because for all intents and purposes, that's how they developed. They have vaginas. They don't have male anatomy except for the underdeveloped gonads. Um, that are ending up uh, acting like ovaries anyway um, with how they uh, convert the testosterone into a, uh, through aromatase and everything else. So they are not responding to testosterone like anybody else is. This condition is unique for them. Um, and it's it doesn't make them between sexes or anything like that. Um, they go down the female pathway. They have a female puberty with exception of the menzies, just like um, Turner's or with MRKH, they find out um, that they're not getting their periods and that's how they get diagnosis is very, very difficult for them. They face a lot of stigma because people then call them male or think they're like a trans woman or trans identified male. Um, they are not, it's not the same thing at all. Activists love to use them that way. It is cruel. These women have to go through enough, as does everyone else with one of these rare conditions. And as I've stated before, y'all have to go through enough. Like you have more to go through than you have advocates to stand up for you. Um, and it is really horrendous to see people using it this way for no reason. They don't talk about the needs, they don't talk about uh, the healthcare and everything else that is being deprived. I know multiple people now who've had issues with the, their healthcare um, 
they've had their insurance coverage removed because of the trans lobby making the intersex conditions as oh it's just normal variation it's just an identity it's just this it's just that we're trying to destigmatize it no you're not you're trying to muddy the water when it comes to sex and that's why you don't care if you steamroll over all these people and get their health care removed. Um, I've seen people say, oh, you don't need testosterone to Nick um, and his Kleinfelters um, and say, oh, you don't actually need the testosterone. What you need is estrogen and, and all these absurd things. They don't know. They don't know his health condition. They don't know the details and they don't care. They just want to satisfy whatever narrative they have about chromosomes in their heads. And that's very cruel. Um, so yeah, please check out the article on sex reversal on our website. Please continue to spread accurate information about these people. And if you catch somebody, I don't care if it's your friend, I don't care if it's, you know, this this great feminist that you all admire. I don't care if it's um, some amazing like trans person that it really stands up for kids, whatever. If you see anybody using these conditions, for their own gain and they are not advocating for these conditions and for better protections on these people and talking about the struggles that they go through please call them out because it is yeah they are probably the the ones with the least voice here out of everybody in this whole fight and they have already suffered quite a bit as a result so please do them the favor of calling it out and standing up to that um and giving them a voice uh, yeah i want to mention that um i posted the article on cis in the space so you can see that there uh, i want to go to katie and then after katie i want to go to lawful evil thanks zach um i mostly just wanted to point out that the the disconnect in the conversations that are taking place so i'll just speak on behalf of women with mrkh for us it's really about infertility for the most part and nobody ever talks about us uh, about that, like in these conversations, right? So we need help with the fertility aspect of things. Whether you agree or disagree with assisted reproduction technology, whatever it is, that's the primary issue we have. It's the thing that makes us the most depressed. It's devastating. And um, that is not something that people ever talk about. A lot of us don't have other health issues. That's the only issue. Some of us have kidney issues or spinal issues because what, what, the, whatever the glitch is that happens, it happens at the same time as the kidneys are developing, a lot like what Turner was saying. So I just wanted to point that out. I just feel like um, it's a conversation that feels like it's happening to us, but it doesn't have anything to do with us at all. And it's hard to even figure out like what to say sometimes because it just it just keeps evolving in this terrible direction. And um, it's terrible to think that people can't get their medical health care that they need to, to be healthy and like live successful lives because of this. And so I guess the question is, where are the doctors, the, the medical community, the governments, where are those people in actually supporting us? Um, and so I, I, I I just, the more I listen, um, the more upset I get. But you know what? There are other conditions that, that people are here to talk about, and I know Lawful has one of them, so I'm going to let her have the floor because I'm all kinds of uh, upset. Yeah, I actually have uh, Ovatesti 
uh, OTDSD. Sorry, I've got a migraine, so I'm going to be sounding a little weird. And I also was born with ambiguous genitalia. So I'm one of those that they just salivate to use and exploit in their thing. And my big problem is, is medical care has just become so useless. Like anyone that even wants to touch me to treat my symptoms or my problems, I have to be extremely cautious that they're not some ideologue who's going to give me incredibly bad information. I've had people that aren't even my doctor, and because my ex-husband was a, is a trans man, I was exposed to a lot of them, and I let slip a few times my condition and almost like a light switch they turned and tried to get me to do all these medical stuff some even tried to get me to transition and that just you're not my doctor go away and it's all this a lot of doctors now are becoming corrupted by the ideological arguments that are so divorced from the actual medical science that it's very, very frustrating. And it's, it's like, I can't find good answers from doctors anymore. I have to vet which doctors get which information. I have to hide my condition from different doctors or else I'll spend hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, hours upon hours, getting poked and prodded and used as a lab rat for their curiosity because it's happened before. I've had doctors, as soon as they find out I've got these conditions, they instantly, they turn off the empathy and they just want to poke and prod. And it's just, no doctor I trust really anymore because I've had such horrible experiences with them. I've started to say that Mengele was not the exception that a lot of people think he was. But I've ranted it now. Yeah, some doctors just, some of them have the mentality of, of just like, almost like seeing people with these disorders as like curiosities to be experimented on, which is horrible. Others, plenty, are actually, you know, good physicians who want to really help the, the patient. But overall, there's just a, a real lack of uh, research and funding on these various conditions, like in terms of just understanding what, like what goes on with them, how to treat them, uh, especially really rare conditions like like yours, OTDSD, and it's really awful. Um, and helping people understand these, uh, bringing more awareness to it, I think can help eventually with with funding, hopefully too. Um, I I want to go to I think Kaida, who uh, looks like on their bio has CAH, and Kaida, if you want to talk about your condition or anything regarding this this topic just uh, go ahead thank you hi i have 46xx non-salt wasting congenital adrenal hyperlasia most of the people with my condition have salt wasting which is fatal at birth and can be fatal later in life if not treated with hormones for me specifically, I have not dealt much with doctors. Um, I haven't had personal experience with doctors too much. 
except for the few times I have, it has been a horrible experience for me, to which I am incredibly scared of going to doctors and trusting doctors because of how they have treated me in the past, where, like many other cases, they want to treat me like a lab rat because they either don't know where my testosterone is coming from, or they're saying that in order to do more tests on me to figure out what other things they want. I also have ambiguous genitalia and have been fighting against people who try to force me into their idealism of what a vagina would look like by surgically altering me, which I don't need because it does not hinder my health. Um, a few years ago, after an experience with a doctor who wanted to create a vagina for me for the future, sorry, for the pleasure of my future husband, um, to, um, I became very vocal in many groups, um, across social media platforms, educating people about what was, what I then called intersex because, um, I didn't learn about terminology until recently, um, that we are something that exists because most people don't even know that people with developmental conditions exist and so I spent a lot of time trying to educate people, and what I came across a lot was that people would either A, continue spreading misinformation, or would B, refuse to listen to us and listen to our needs because they already had a preconceived idea of what this was, and they didn't want to learn that they were spreading misinformation. And over the past few months, really learning from Nick and others with DSDs, um, I have become more vocal in specific needs of specific conditions because using the term intersex and using the term DSD becomes the point where we see people as others have said before, using the term to speak to any developmental issue, which is inaccurate and does not help us, and it does not help the people that we are educating. Um, and recently, I have gotten a lot more hatred for um, educating people about this. People will attack me. They will attack my race. They will attack my intelligence. They will attack anything about me because they do not want to be, they do not want to admit that they were wrong. And within that, I have really seen people spread a lot of misinformation about my condition, to which people are saying that females can be born with penises, which is incorrect. And it is extremely harmful to people with my condition, especially those of us with ambiguous genitalia, because the notion that a female has a penis is 
what leads to people thinking that we need to be fixed and that our genitalia needs to be turned into a vagina because of the notion that females should not have a quote-unquote penis, to which it enrages me that medical institutions are misdefining intersex, sorry, misdefining those, these conditions to which um, they are misdefining my condition specifically as well, to which is leading to this discourse and is, it's enraging that people will not listen. That's my point here, I guess. Yeah, thank you for joining and speaking about that. I I want to bring up, like, with, with CAH, your condition, people, so many people, activists, uh, medical, uh, medical scientists even, like, a lot of them have been using that as a, definitely going after that and spreading a lot of misinformation on that condition because it has, because it results in sometimes unusual genitalia. And it, it really impacts females. You said 46XXCAH, and it really impacts females because um, that region of the external genitalia in females is very sensitive to androgens. And so with CAH, because there's a lot of extra androgen produced from the adrenal glands because of the disorder, that can really impact the external genitalia. It can grow the clitoris. It can fuse the labia. And so uh, I've seen a lot of them claim that that means that these women have penises, that they have male genitalia. And that's not how it works at all. A, a viralized clitoris is not a penis. It doesn't function like one. It doesn't, it's not linked to the gonadal type of testes. It's like it's linked to ovaries. You know, it's, it's not a penis. It's, it's one system that's linked to ovaries and egg production and, and the associated structures all with that. So it's, it's total medical misinformation. And it's, it's really awful to to claim that these women have like male genitalia when they do not at all. And it, it muddies the reality of the condition. It, again, I think it enforces um, the idea that, oh, wow, uh, I guess we should change this because it's wrong. Oh, a female with a penis. Well, they don't have a penis. <laughs> it's not about that. It's a, it's a complete, like, just, it's a complete lie. And so, um, again, thanks for speaking up about, about that condition as well. Um, I think maybe XO is next. Yes. Um, no, still, thank you guys for sharing. Um, there's just so much to, to add because every time someone comes up and speaks, I just, my mind goes a hundred miles per minute. And so I, um, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, the entirety of the human body, every system can come with developmental complications, right? You have people who are born with three fingers. You have people who are born with missing limbs. You have people that have, you know, so human development is very, like I said, delicate process and the reproductive system is no different than any other system. And sometimes there are developmental complications with the reproductive system. And that's all our conditions are. 
at the end of the day, that's all <laughs> that's all these conditions are, right? Whether there's a quote-unquote mismatch of sex characteristics, whether they're unambiguously male or female, which is most of these conditions, right? Um, at the end of the day, you're talking about developmental complications of the reproductive system. And these medical conditions are not like they're they're not talking points in a discussion about other things and other people's rights it's not about you <laughs> right um it's about us and the best thing for us is like we've said condition specific language um you know access to accurate information right and not to be talked about like we are and pointed out like some freak show on the internet because you found this really interesting story or, you know, you just found out that like there are people that exist um, that that have, you know, missing or an extra chromosome. It's, um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, these reproductive conditions are not about that they're not about identity they're not about you know any of these things we want coverage for our health needs if i'm gonna add we want coverage for you know fertility treatments because a lot of us are going to be dealing with fertility issues um we you know once again, specific language for our conditions and groups that advocate for our our needs. Um, and when you lump all of these conditions together, uh, you do us a big dis. Um, <laughs> you it, it, you do us a big disfavor. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't help anybody understand the specifics of any of the conditions. Um, I, I want to go to uh, the CAH kid, and then after that, pumpkin spice. Hi, uh, well, I'm in England, so I've got a different perspective on how the health system works, because we have it differently here, I'm pleased to say. I just wanted to touch on one thing. I've, my condition is the same as CADA's. I'm non-salt wasting adrenal hyperplasia, treated with hydrocortisone. The condition runs a risk of adrenal crisis, which is deeply unpleasant if you happen to have that in terms of when you have an accident or your body's stressed. But one thing I was going to point out was our conditions generally diagnose when you're very small. Um, I was a few months old, not that I remembered. I'm old enough that I had surgery when I was tiny. I had no input into that, as you can imagine. I've got mixed views about it, as you can imagine. But what I was going to say was it, it does lead to a very medicalized childhood where you went in and out of hospital a lot in the early 70s you were incredibly rare exactly the same as lawful evil felt like a guinea pig but you've got to have some, you know people go on about children children particularly with cah some of these things that hit are found when you're really small have a massive exposure to the medical profession as kids and i think there's very little psychological support for any of these conditions and I think personally, I think it's quite a big thing that it's amazing that most of us aren't in hospital with psychiatric problems, to be honest with you. And I think it's something we've all got to be, you know, people got to be mindful of. And particularly on, on Twitter X, whatever its current name is, we are, you know, a punch ball and a gotcha 
and it's so tiresome. I came into this like other people have said late on when I realised what a mess it is. Um, and this, I don't, people, my friends don't know my medical condition. Some of them know I have to take drugs. And if there's an emergency, I have to take extra. But that's as far as it goes. People are generally very private about this. The, the survey has been done with people with CAH don't even want to be called intersex. So the whole thing is just a bit of a mess. I'll put it as politely as that. And I'll leave it there. Thank you. Okay, pumpkin spice, you can go. Thank you very much. And it is a really big mess right now. The problem is that um, your disorders are being co-opted in order to push an agenda and the doctors are also complicit. It's, it's, it's really sad. And I put a couple of things up in the nest because they kind of are. I just also put it up as a thread in the comments. So I've been doing some research because local activists have been putting a man who claims to have progestin-induced viralization in a woman's jail. And the thing with him, this person, is that he claims to be both trans and intersex, which was the big red herring. And I had to do some digging in order to find out what the condition um, was. So second on the link is the Indie Weeks um, news article. And um, after hearing about an interview with this fella, I checked it out because that's how the local jail activist discovered um, this fella named Ashley Insko. If you click and read on it, a doctor decided that this individual had XX chromosomes and um, they signed off that this person was female. But as you will later find out, that is not the case. Third is an actual picture of this individual. And this is um, a publication by Feminist. And it lists his charges. It has a mugshot. They vaguely discuss his criminal record. And what you will see is that um, he is bald and is very, very viralized. And from what I've seen with the women with DSDs, like they usually don't um, go bald. The thing that usually triggers that is testosterone for um, women who decide to um, transition. But this individual, um, next slide, they um, lobbied for him. Some activists sent a letter to the commissioner in prison and um, the language describing it was very interesting. It was a mystery gonadectomy and it's really a bummer that um, Talia isn't here because in some articles it was described as um, being an orchiectomy, which only happens in, in males, but um, it's in different articles, gender affirming surgery, gonadectomy, or orchiectomy. And with a surgery, it has to be something specific. It can't be all of them simultaneously. And the CDC was also demanding that he get a clitoral reduction. And Tali and I both came to the conclusion that this individual might have a micro 
penis because next I actually just looked at the condition fifth on a nest is progestin induced viralization, which he claimed to have in an interview. I looked it up. I couldn't find very much of it caused baldness or um, he was claiming to have um, pain in the abdominal area. And before that, he had claimed to have a hysterectomy. So I don't know if somebody like that would have any form of pain in the genital or gonadal region because I'm not a surgeon. Talia think that this person gave themselves a testicular torsion in order to have them removed. Um, I think it's a really interesting theory. But the interesting thing is that um, it's less virilized than Ka. The only complication is that there might be a labial fusion and the Wikipedia page did not note anything like baldness or needing to have um, your uterus or gonads removed. It said that those people lived a very healthy um, lifestyle after um, they had that. And for those of you who are not aware, um, it's something that happened whenever in the 80s they gave moms progestin, their female fetuses became viralized, but that was um, not really the case. And my concern with this that Ensco is HIV positive and that he has been transferred to a woman's jail and that doctors are complicit in placing him there and it's going to hurt actual women and I think that it's ridiculous that they um, don't properly want to treat people with DSDs like not wanting to give Nick testosterone and um, treating y'all like poorly as medical experiments and then they use gender affirming gonadectomy and like to pretend that somebody has the anatomy of the opposite sex for purposes of activism something very bizarre and very strange is going on in here so i think the thing is that there's definitely an agenda and that um the doctors definitely have some form of alternative agenda or motive. I don't know if it's a financial incentive. I don't know if the politicians have bribed them, but it's there and I think it's really messed up. And thank you for so, having me. So to recap, you're basically talking about this this story of this male who is using uh, a type of like hormonal disorder as a like appropriating it to claim that he can be in, in a woman's prison is that correct yes that is yeah. correct so so progestin induced virilization is just something like you said that happens if especially especially like in the in the 80s like you were saying where a woman who's pregnant taking progestin and then that induces a vir viralization of the female fetus growing inside her where the female fetus has maybe like fusion of the labia or growth of the clitoris uh, but the female fetus still has ovaries like clear female anatomy it's just that their external genitalia is kind of like masculinized slightly. So that's, so he's trying to claim that he has that. <laughs> that's, that is correct. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Again, it's a great example of how these people will appropriate these disorders for their own ends. It's really, really disgusting. Um, okay, I think, I think uh, we should go to Katie and then Lawful Evil. 
Thanks, Zach. There are a couple other things I just wanted to say. Um, one is about uh, DSD overall as a term, and the other is just a few other things about MRKH that I wanted to say. Um, I get really frustrated when I see people post, so-and-so is DSD, or so-and-so has DSD. No one has DSD because it's not a medical condition. It's just not a thing. Like, people have specific medical conditions. So I get frustrated when I hear DSD is a syndrome. It's not. It's just this category that was loose, like kind of haphazardly created in 2006. No one is DSD because you can't be medical conditions. It really bothers me when people say that. And then also there's the issue of variations and differences. So I will just put it out there. We probably all have different opinions based on which conditions we have. But the category when it was created was disorders of sex development. Now, I would argue it should have been disorders of sex and reproductive development, but it's disorders of sex development. Anyway, people then argued they wanted differences because they couldn't handle the fact that their condition was a disorder. And then yet again, then the intersex people wanted to push variations because then they could say they're not really medical conditions, they're just variations. Well, I'm here to say as a woman with a uterine infertility condition that my uterine birth defect is not a difference and it is not a variation, okay? My uterine birth defect is a disorder. It's a reproductive disorder in females that leads to uterine factor infertility. And so just saying I have a difference is totally insulting. And to say it's just a variation, it's not a variation because it's not normal for females to be born with uterine birth defects. And so when people just throw around these terms, now variation, I have a serious problem with. Now other people, based on the type of DSD condition they have, they might like difference better than disorder. But this just underscores why all these very different conditions should never have been put together into a category. Or if they were going to be put together into a category, they, the doctors should have been so much more thoughtful about how they did it and what they called it. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. Um, the issue with DSD, is DSD, has DSD, that always comes up in relation to Castor Semenya, which has nothing to do with any of the conditions that we just talked about. And so they'll say, she is DSD. Well, I have another frustration with world sports for calling it, calling these people DSD athletes. It's like the rest of us who have unambiguous reproductive conditions in the DSD category, we don't matter. They never considered the impact of calling them DSD athletes. When now, when you talk to people about DSD, if you ever bring it up in real life and they've read anything about Castor Semenya, they're like, oh, intersex conditions, intersex people, Castor Semenya, people with you know, like ambiguous characteristics. That's what the category has become partially because of world athletics and no respect for any of the other conditions in the category. The last thing I wanted to say is women with MRKH, it doesn't usually affect the fallopian tubes. And like I said, 85% of us have an underdeveloped uterus. Many women with MRKH get terrible endometriosis. It's awful and painful, and a lot have to have a hysterectomy. And that's also forgotten, because if you ask the trans cult, they will say, women born without uteruses. And so oftentimes, when a person is diagnosed, especially if they're not in a place with uh, a lot of sophisticated healthcare, they'll just do an ultrasound. And sometimes on an ultrasound, you'll see the underdeveloped uterus, but other times you won't. And you definitely don't always see fallopian tubes on, a on an ultrasound. 
So upon doing MRIs, um, the American um, Council of Obstetrics and Gynecology found that 85% of us do have an underdeveloped uterus and that the fallopian tubes are not affected generally. And so I hate ACOG because ACOG has not come out to help us. They are so captured. And, they all, and they've done this to every women's reproductive condition, started calling us people, even though all of these conditions are conditions that only affect females. And so it's so frustrating, but it's so rude when people start talking about women without uteruses and they never stop to even think for a minute that a lot of women with MRK8 have, they, they have small uteruses, they have uterine remnants, they have terrible pain, they have to get a, a hysterectomy for endometriosis. And so anyway, these are um, conditions that present differently in everyone that has them. And that's the other thing that I wanted to emphasize. And I'm sorry if I sound a little bit worked up now, but this has been a really good space. And I just feel like I've been able to unburden myself a little bit. And so I just really appreciate the opportunity yet again. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kitty. Let's go to Lawful Evil. Yes. Kind of piggybacking on what uh, Katie was saying is we're all so radically different and we've been shoehorned together when we need such radical differences in care and have different symptoms. I mean, even people with my condition are one case to the next. You can have outwardly almost indistinguishable from typical development to somebody like me who had very visible external developments completely wrong. And I say wrong because it's not the normal pathway. It's not how most males or most females look. And there's a level of dysfunction in our system. It's like, I have constant hormonal fluctuations. And in fact, that was what really clued them in to start looking past just the fact I had, you know, been surgically altered, ambiguous genitalia, was the fact that my hormone levels were so radically off. And some people with my condition, almost no hormonal problems, no issues. And it's just really frustrating to have this really vague and lumped together category where none of our specific needs are ever talked about. We're only talked about in these weird abstracts as a whole when yes, the only thing we have together is the fact that we're atypical in some faction of our development, whether it's uh, function, fertility, hormonal, or some other comorbidity. But really, we, we, none of us get it. None of us have anything really alike, even in our own particular disorder. And it's just really frustrating to find that no one ever really wants to listen. Uh, I mean, back into my own history, I got surgically altered. And growing up, I knew something was wrong, something was different. But my doctors, my parents, my family, they all said, oh, you're fine. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. But I kept getting taken to the doctors for problems and symptoms and never getting an answer. 
And it was just really frustrating because it wasn't until I became an adult and I could get to a doctor that I could get answers. And even then, it took me my own research and searching for doctors who would actually listen and talk to me. And I've lost doctor after doctor because none of them listened. But it's turned into a bit of a rant, so I've got a migraine. I'll let somebody else talk. Hey, I want to now, we've talked quite a bit about these conditions too. I want to also open it up to questions from the audience. The audience, if any of you listening want to ask anybody who's spoken a question about uh, these conditions or the appropriation of them or anything, just request to speak and we'll add you as a speaker. You can ask, a, we'll call on you. You can ask a question. Uh, just keep it brief and keep it respectful and then we'll go from there. XO, if you want to if you had anything like specific to say, you can. Um, we'll let people request to speak to ask their questions. I see that uh, Swallow the Pill has a question, so you can. I think you can go ahead and ask yours. Thank you, and thank you guys all for the space. It's um, it's been really informative, um, and I think that this is a really important topic. I, my question is, um, you know, I always want to be really careful um, to be respectful in the way that, <laughs> excuse me, I'm talking about these things. Um, and one of the things that I have encountered, and I let me just say, I strongly suspect that when I have encountered these things, I'm interacting with identitarians who probably don't actually have a DSD because a lot of people who I, I'm, I've seen a lot of people who are saying I'm trans and I have a DSD and then you've kind of scratched the surface of that and it turns out it's all self-diagnosed and, you know, they're just appropriating basically. Um, but I have had some criticism that, you know, when there, there's like a thing going around that PCOS is an quote unquote intersex condition, which it's not. Um, but when I have, you know, it's a metabolic condition. And when I have corrected people on this, I've encountered, you know, a few times people saying that basically I'm somehow um gatekeeping it, i'm assuming no well no not gatekeeping but but somehow speaking offensively about dsds if i'm not if i'm just trying to offer accurate information about the fact that pcos is it's just a different it's just a, a whole different medical condition, but I want to make, my question is basically, I just want to make sure that, like, is there anything that I should be saying in order to make it clear that all I'm doing is differentiating because I want to yes. make sure that my language is not so, deemed as offensive or, or unkind or somehow othering people with DSDs. I would like to take this question um, because this is something that I've seen. 
So the reason that PCOS is not a DSD is because it's not present at birth. Lots of other conditions like CAH are, have to do with hormones and, and things that aren't testosterone or estrogen. Um, PCOS causes hyperandrogenism in females, but it presents later on. The, the, thing that, the only thing that unifies DSD as a category, there's only one thing, and that is that it affects the reproductive system and it's present at birth. That's it. That's all that it takes to be a DSD. It can't be a DSD if, you don't, if you're not born with it. And women are not born with PCOS. They develop it later. The reason that PCOS is not an intersex condition is not because it's not a DSD, because not all DSDs are intersex conditions, clinically speaking. This is where the confusion and, the, and all of that comes from. So when people talk about PCOS as an intersex condition and other people respond with, no, it's not a DSD, that makes me really upset because it's not an yes, intersex I know you've heard at me a few times about it. I'm aware of yeah. that. Yeah. So the answer to, the, to PCOS not being an intersex condition isn't that it's not a DSD. The answer to PCOS not being an intersex condition quite honestly, clinically, is that it doesn't fit the clinical definition of intersex conditions, which is to have an external phenotype that doesn't match the gonads. That's the, tech, that's the clinical definition for intersex conditions. So can I, I, can I ask, sorry, I don't, want to, I don't want to interrupt you, but I have another question, but I want to wait till you're done. I'm done. Go right ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, two things. One is, I have also been similarly, you know, I, I understand you've, you've actually gotten mad at me several times for saying DSD, but I've also had other people with DSDs get pissed at me for saying intersex condition. So I just want to make that clear. And I just want to point out that at least for me, and I'm probably speaking for others as well, some others at least, that are really trying to talk about these things in a way that is respectful and not othering a little bit we're really like we don't know sometimes which way to go with it because so i i, I have that answer to your question so uh, first off i appreciate you coming in and trying to get you know feedback and and listening to us and thank you so much for that um I greatly, greatly appreciate it. It's a kindness we're not always shown. Um, and then the second thing that I would say is that when someone brings up, first off, the term quote-unquote intersex, the first thing that should be done is like, okay, which condition are you speaking about, right? And the other thing, the other term that you could use in discussing this is just, um, uh, develop um, conditions. So sorry. Um, uh, issues with reproductive development. You know, conditions impacting reproductive development. Um, disorders impacting reproductive development. You know, um, in that ballpark, um, when you use like that specific language, or you say, "Hey, women with." this condition, men with this condition, um, like that's your, your best, um, that, that would be your best bet. Um, so for example, if somebody is trying to bring up uh, Castor Semenya, 
you know, it's important to be like, well, Castor Semenya does not represent the entirety of the quote-unquote DSD group. Um, Castor Semenya has this particular, you know, condition. Here are the facts about this condition. What's your issue? You know, like, uh, and most, uh, 99% of people who are trans don't have any of, you know, these conditions. Um, so yeah, I would use like reproductive development conditions, something in, in that ballpark. I hope that was like helpful. <laughs> Even with the whole like umbrella, like if I, if I have to like talk about the umbrella of these disorders, I'll just say like these sex development disorders or sex development disorders. Um, of course you'll have activists coming in there and be like, uh, it's so offensive to say it's a disorder, which it is a disorder. <laughs> So like you'll obviously there will be always be people who are, will be offended, you know, at whatever language that you choose. But I guess focusing more on like trying to maybe stay away from intersex, uh, even saying like even saying like sex development disorders rather than DSDs. But uh, also just also on top of that, like condition specific language as well just saying like, oh, you know, Castro Semenya has this disorder, this specific disorder, blah, blah, blah. I mean, so that, that those types of things can help, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, Kaida, did you want to comment on anything regarding that? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say that backtracking a bit, talking about PCOS, my anger towards people conflating or calling PCOS a DSD or an intersex condition is that it really harms those who have CAH because CAH is either used to justify PCOS being considered an intersex condition or a DSD, or it is drawn with parallels because there are some similarities with the conditions, and I believe that some of the, sometimes the conditions are, um, misdiagnosed with each other um but pcos is not intersex or a dsd it's more like late onset congenital adrenal hyperlasia which is a hormonal issue which is also incorrectly labeled as an intersex condition and um it's just really enraging that people are calling it an intersex condition when it's not Yeah, a good way to think about PCOS is like a ovarian-related hormone disruption that that has some some like you know negative side effects, but it doesn't happen from birth. It's not you know a congenital disorder in that in that way. Um, Katie, can do you I have just, a comment? Can I just point out really quickly that the odd like the stupidity of calling PCOS um, intersex. Just for everyone who knows, PCOS, the O in PCOS stands for ovarian. Anybody who knows anything about sex and sex development is going to know exactly who that condition impacts. There's no ambiguity with that whatsoever. FYI, it's right there in the name. Sorry, I just had to say that. <laughs> I think that's a very good point, Turner. Um... I just wanted to say, just because I think I like to keep it real, and I understand what you were saying, 
Um, Swallow, I understand how complicated it is. And the problem is we're just sort of at an impasse because like we said, there are all these conditions that were thrown into this category DSD that, you know, it's only been a category since 2006. And so from the, stand, from the standpoint of the conditions that were added to DSD that were not intersex conditions before, before DSD was created, we feel like, how did we get pulled into this? Like, we don't have an intersex condition as it was clinically defined. And so it feels like as a result of being forced into DSD, suddenly now our condition has been thrust into a whole new conversation that was never actually a conversation we had before. So it seems really sort of unfair, to be quite honest. And that's where it comes from. On the other hand, I understand the tough spot you are put in completely. And I don't have an answer. But that is why I think we would like to hopefully eventually lobby the medical community to make changes to how these conditions are packaged and grouped. And then the last thing I would say is sometimes I see people post about disorders of sex, sexual differentiation, which looks like it could be DSD, right? Because it's the same acronym theoretically, but it's not the same thing. Disorders of sex differentiation is an older term that referred to those historical intersex conditions. Disorders of sex development is a new category created in 2006. The reason that they chose the term development it was very intentional because development can include any reproductive development issue, not just issues of differentiation. So I just wanted, for anybody who's wondered about that, because I could see how it would be confusing, that is uh, the story on that. Uh, James, you can go ahead and comment as well. Oh, thank you. It's lots of people commenting. I'm, I'm right in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff, so I'll be brief. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the, the issue is, um, the fact that these these uh, conditions have been highly politicized under under um, and and they're being they're being used to push other agendas. I won't go on the other agendas. I'm sure you all know. Um, and the disor the, the the disorientation and sort of the uh, teaming is also something uh, with other conditions. E even orientations has got everybody very confused. And unfortunately. The, the the general public's first um, um, the, the way they were first introduced was through this over politicalization. So they never knew they knew never knew these conditions existed before the politics happened around these conditions. Now they just learn politics. So it to to try to um, it's it's very hard to separate the politics from the conditions themselves. Um, let's just say that um, the conditions uh, such as intersex, intersex is more of a colloquial term. It's kind of a term they used. Uh, at the same time, they developed the word Mongol to, to explain Down syndrome, but we don't call Down syndrome babies Mongols anymore because they, they look kind of Mongolian. Uh, so that's why they came up with the word Mongol. And they did surgeries and uh, autopsies on certain individuals, and they found like a mixed phenotype, maybe a complete androgen sensitivity, or something else was going on with the ind individual, and they labeled it intersex, meaning between sexes. They weren't sure what they looked like. They weren't sure what was going on with these people. 
So later down the road, they developed other terms. I said, oh, I see. Now we understand what chromosomes do and chromosomes become disordered. We understand pituitary glands and how they and how that affects them. Um, my, con my condition is, is merely a hormone deficiency, uh, a complete hormone deficiency. And it's never, ever been other than, other than that. And it's, and supposedly it's, it's fully reversible with hormones, but it's really not. So there's, there's still a lot of dis, disinformation going on there. And it's very difficult to, um, kind of, uh, speak, speak, uh, because we're just, there's, there's like 22 of us, 27 of us, uh, who are talking about this stuff. And we have, we have both the TRAs and other, other, other groups speaking over us. So it, it's hard to get the word out and it's hard to get people to go back to what the original sort of liberal was to treat people like individuals and not treat people like, uh, collections or uh, products of a group, a political group. Um, so I think that's mainly um, the problem. Okay, I'm I'm being called now. So uh, thank you for the space. So we're almost at the two-hour mark, and I want to wrap up soon. But so I want to do basically final thoughts with with EXO. So EXO, like any final thoughts you want to drill home for people listening, and then I'll I'll wrap up the space. I have a perfect way to end the space. So give me just one second while I scroll here. So sorry just one this has been this has been an awesome space we've um had such great perspectives great different viewpoints from the different conditions and then also like understanding how they're appropriated the issues when it comes to like medical treatment and things like that and just educating people listening so it's been it's been really good um so i'm gonna read off the points uh here and um Thank you, Zach, and everyone for listening, uh, for Katie, for James, uh, for Nick, who even he, he missed out. But um, yeah, so <clears throat> here we go. Two sexes across all species, sperm and egg at the center of sex and how we define sex characteristics as male or female via the relationship with gamete. There are two gametes that created us. And if you are so interested, in discussing us, discuss where we come from as well. Humans are not hermaphroditic species or sequential uh, hermaphrodites. We are gonochorists. Each characteristic, besides hormones, is at least 99.98% accurate in determining one's sex. And any exception, right, um, is not applicable to those who don't have any of these conditions. You are a perfectly unambiguous male or female, and these conditions and exceptions have nothing to do with you. We require care, extensive knowledge of sex and sex development, accurate information, not carelessly thrown around half-truths and misinformation. Uh, some of these conditions come with health issues, and we need medical resources that are currently being wasted by people with perfectly healthy reproductive systems. We should be prioritized and not used carelessly and kicked out of the very system that created us. Um, <clears throat> grouping us all in a clumsy umbrella term does us harm. 
people are blurring our conditions together. This only ostracizes us more because it gets in the way of accurate information and gets in the way of us being understood. And no, pushing us all together, inflating the numbers. We are not 2% of the population and sex development cannot be compared to red hair. Uh, some of you may have heard that. Uh, does nothing to help the loneliness we feel when we get diagnosed and putting rainbow glitter stickers on real pain, on real medical neglect and calling it an identity does not improve our quality of life or treatment. Um, and then finally, um, there are people at the head of these influential orgs that are supposed to represent us, right? That lie about having conditions or a multitude of conditions uh, together under one person, which we've seen a lot of, um, being listened to and prioritized. Um, and the real advocacy is not reaching the people that it's supposed to reach. Um, uh, and some of these people that do have uh, an actual condition that are in these influential orgs uh, are also prioritizing their identity and their activism over anything and anyone else. Um, and we need a change. We need to be prioritized in this, this, this discussion. Um, we know why and how sex matters. Um, and we should not be used to undermine it um, because that only does us harm. Uh, we're not a football being tossed around in this debate. We're not props, we're humans. Um, we go through very real things because of these conditions. So um, yeah, <laughs> um, that's, that's basically it. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, XO. I want to end it with saying that I would like you guys to check out uh, what's called sex development charts. Uh, these are charts that I made with the Paradox Institute, and they basically walk through a variety of these different disorders, and each chart shows you the sex development path of each one and how it's caused um, and basically steps you through the, the whole process of, of sex development. And so that helps you really, it debunks myths, it um, demystifies the conditions, it emphasizes the fact that these are all very different conditions and they cannot be just lumped together. And so if you just type into Google sex development charts, it should be the first one to pop up uh, from, from the Paradox Institute. So uh, go check out that and I'll leave it there. Thank you again for Exo Turner, for Katie, uh, for all the others, uh, all the other people with these disorders who, who spoke up and shared their experiences. It's been invaluable. This space will be recorded so you guys can access it after it's done. Um, that's it for me. Go check out the paradoxinstitute.com and the sex development charts. Thank you guys. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, guys.